All right, how's everybody doing? Good. I just want to thank our worship team. Hey, you guys, thank you so much. I, honestly, I was just thinking, I, I couldn't communicate to Mark. We got to have one of those little earpieces, a little microphone. I can just talk to Mark. Let's just keep worshiping for the next 20 minutes. I just, maybe second service, we'll, just, we'll see what happens. Come back. No. <laughs> glad you're here. Are you glad to be here? Hey, I just, I love interaction. I like a conversation when we're teaching the word of God. So if there's something that God is striking you with, if you feel like, man, God is speaking in this moment, I just sense the spirit of the Lord is moving and he's spoken to me and I need to do something or I need to just sit and be in his presence, whatever it is. I just want to encourage you just, you know, amen, hallelujahs are fine. If you want to clap a little bit when God is speaking to you, um, that's, I just want freedom in his house. We just, we want to express to God how much we love him. And it's, I am so glad, if this is maybe first, second, third, fourth, fifth time here, I am so, so glad on behalf of our ministry family here, we are really glad that you're here. And I tell you, two things I want. One is this, I really want you to capture what God has for you today. If it's just one thing, God, give it to me. Second is this, I want us to learn something from the word that we can apply and do out there in a world that's so chaotic and so messed up, they just need the love of Jesus, just like we did. Now here at MVCC, we have a very clear vision that we believe the Lord has laid out for us out of Matthew 28, and it's simply this, real love on mission. It's so easy, everybody can say that, come on, one, two, three, real love on mission. Jesus was genuine, he was authentic, and I think people are looking for that today. They're not looking for phoniness, they don't want to go to church and hear about how bad they are and how horrible life is. They, they, they want to hear the truth of the gospel, I believe that, even though they may not know that. And we need to be people that are just like Jesus, just genuinely living the life that Jesus called us to live. And when we mess up, which we all do, my name's Mike, I'm a recovering sinner, just want to get that out there. When we mess up, it's okay to say, you know what, I've blown it, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have talked to you that way, I shouldn't have said that, will you forgive me? Second, Jesus was extremely off the charts, loving. He loved everybody right where they were. He did not say, get your act together, then I'll love you. Come to church, then I'll love you. Read your Bible, then I love you. Come to Christ, then I'll love you. He says, I love you, period. And if that doesn't do something to your soul, I don't know. There's nothing else in the world that compares. I haven't found anything in the last 33 years of following Jesus that compares to the fact that I am loved. You are loved by God, period. And third is this. Jesus was on mission, man. Jesus had a purpose. He had a plan. He had a strategy straight from the Father, straight from heaven. He needed to get to the cross he needed to equip the disciples, the 12 men that followed him, so that they could carry on Christianity. That is our purpose. That is our plan. It should be our passion. It's not just coming to church and singing a few songs, slapping a few bucks online and saying, I did my duty. It's about loving God and coming in contact with the love of God that'll never, never end. And so today I want to share a message where we're just winding down a series about following following Jesus. We're just going through the gospel of Luke, chapter by chapter, book by book. I love this, 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 this scene that we're going to walk into today. And I, this is the question I have before we get to Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, turn to verse 38 to 42. We're going to be there if you want to pull out your phone or your Bible. We're going to read it up on the screen here. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We have one readily available. One of my favorite movies of all time. I have some favorites. Rudy... Hey, right? Anybody? Uh, we all, Rocky, 
those, those are just some of my, Indiana Jones, you know. But this, this one, this one was right up there. Dead Poet Society. There's just something about that film that captured so much of my interest about seizing the moment. If you have not seen this film, um, I, I just want to capture a scene that's opening in the first day of class. It's basically a story about a prep school for young men. It's all-boys school, and they're there, and the teacher walks in for the very first class. He takes them out of the classroom just to keep them on their toes into this uh, courtyard area where there's a trophy case of all the past students. And he, uh, the, the, the class that he's uh, engaging in with them is literature, uh, Shakespeare, poetry. And so he reads a poem to them from Walt Whitman, and it says this. And all these, just want you to see with me, there are about 25 of these young men. They're about 17, 18 years old, wide eyes. They got their whole lives ahead of them. They're thinking about the future. They want to get through school, and they lean in. And as the teacher is reading this passage from Walt Whitman, gather thee rosebuds while ye may. O time is still flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will die. And then, of course, he asked them the question of carpe diem. Of course, Latin means seize the what? Seize the day. Now, this is the part I love. He carries them just over a few steps into this trophy case of past students over the years, the decades, and there are pictures of students that attended the very same school that they're attending. And as he asked them, the teacher asked them to look into that trophy case and look into the eyes of these young men who attended the very same school. He said, boys, these men are now pushing up daffodils. The fact of the matter is, we're all going to die we're all going to leave this earth. We're all going to stop breathing. And here's the question I have for you. Carpe diem. And as he leans in to the trophy case, he says, can you hear him? Carpe diem. Carpe diem. Seize the day. thought about that. I thought about this passage as I was rolling over this and mulling over it and reading it and studying and dissecting this passage that we're going to read. I have a question for you. What are you passionate about? Or better said, who are you passionate about? There can be really good things that we are passionate about. There's nothing wrong with things in the world that we feel excited about and want to put our whole heart into. But what I hope you walk with today is this. A passion for God at the very top has to absolutely be there. If we are followers of Christ, those who have received Christ into our life, there are moments in life that I believe our carpe diem sees the moment, sees the day. And this text right here in Luke chapter 10 is one of those moments. David said in the Old Testament, Psalm 27, verse 4, he said this, One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord forever. What David is really saying is, all I want in my life, the priority of my life, is to be where you are, God. I just want to be in your presence. I want to be where you are, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I want to be where you are. That's what Paul says. Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, said it best. Verse 1, uh, verse 13, he says, I want to know Christ 
and the power of his resurrection. And if I need to share in the fellowship of his suffering, so be it, God. He just wanted to be where Jesus was. Both Paul and David from completely different generations had the same passion, the same heart, the same soul. All they wanted was God. All they wanted was to be where God is. It didn't matter if it was under a tree with a baseboard with rain pelting over them or they were in a hundred million dollar cathedral. All they wanted to be is where God was. Is that the passion of your life? It's not just about coming to a place, although I'm so glad that you're here. It's so much more than that that God has for us. Here's the question I have. Who are you passionate about? Number one, Bethany was a small town, a tiny little town two miles outside of Jerusalem, in the south of Jerusalem. It was a tiny town that if you passed through with Uber, you probably passed through it without even knowing it was there. It was a small, quaint little town, although it was some very, very very, very close, close friendship that people had with Jesus. And that was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were sisters and brother. It was uh, Martha's house. We believe that through the text that we're going to read in a moment. But Jesus was always, he was always bombarded. Every time we read, as we've been through the first nine chapters of Luke together, he's always bombarded by crowds, people everywhere, wanted to be around him, see a miracle, hear his teaching, get an encouraging word, hear about God, see God, questions, answers, all those things constantly pressing into Jesus. And so Bethany was a small town that Jesus would often retreat to where he could just take a deep breath, he could exhale, and he could take a rest. See, here's the thing that I love about this scene before we read it, is Jesus was invited into their home. He was invited because they were friends. Let's read this text together. Come into the house with me. Come in to Martha, Mary, and Lazarus' home. As Jesus and the disciples, 12 of them, continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was so distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And so she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come in and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dearest Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. But there is only one thing, one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Distraction, obligation, victimization, and interpretation. If you're taking some notes, those are the points that we're going to hit. That's what I see out of this text. I'm kind of a simple person. I need to see it one, two, three, four. If you get overly complicated with me, I'm lost. I'm a little ADD, so I just got to stay with it. That's why I like this so simple, this text. There's definitely some distraction here. On, on the part of Martha. There's, there's an obligation to do what's right. 
God is in the house. We have to make sure it looks good. We have to make sure Jesus has enough lemonade. We have to make sure that he has everything he needs because he's tired. He needs a place of respite. He needs to relax and rejuvenate the physical batteries. And so, of course, there's an interpretation of all that, which is what we want to receive. Here's the question. What if Jesus, really want you to just think about this for a second. What if Jesus were to materialize into 2022, and he says, I'm coming to your house. What would you do? How would you prepare? What atmosphere would you want Jesus to walk into? Have you ever made a a, a movie scene in your mind about a certain aspect of life, a certain chapter of your life? Have you ever had like a director's seat and said, this is what's gonna happen. The first date, right? First day of school, first day of college, Wedding, first day on the job, maybe reuniting with a friend, really nervous, but you have a way you know it's going to go, you want it to go. Or how about this? You're sharing your faith in Jesus Christ with someone that you dearly love and you don't want to blow it and you want it and you've got a movie script in your mind. Ever done that? I think Martha did that. I think she did that. She had a movie scene in her mind and she was playing the scene out and she was the director. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says this. Always be ready to practice hospitality. 1 Timothy 5.10. This is why we work hard, Paul says to Timothy, and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people, and particularly all believers. Martha, can you see her in the room? By the way, these, in biblical days, these homes were very, very small. Maybe a couple hundred, 200 feet, 300 square foot homes. And so you heard and saw everything that was going on. In just the room next door in the kitchen, there's dishes that are clanging. There's places of setting. There's the the, the making of the food. There's silverware that's dropping. There's a hustle. There's a bustle inside of the kitchen. Nothing wrong with hard work. Can I be honest with you? I've heard this and seen this text many, many times over podcasts and messages and Bible studies. and, And I don't know what it is about Sometimes we're easy to rush into, bad Martha, bad Martha, how could you do that? You are totally missing the moment. Martha is in such a bad place, and it's almost like Martha bashing. But I don't see that in this text. I, I, I was praying about this week. I said, Lord, give me some insight into this that's not only going to help liberate God, your people, but to bring the clarity of the good news to someone here today that just needs to hear about God loves me and he has a way for me and he is calling me and he simply wants me to listen to his voice. There's nothing wrong with serving God and serving God with strength and hard work and sweat. But here's the thing that the picture that I see that's what I think Jesus, why Luke recorded this and why Jesus wanted this text here, knowing that we'd be sitting here today. And Martha's in the other room working as hard as she can because she wants it to be great for God. I mean, can you imagine Jesus walking in your home and go, yeah, there's some chips and crackers in the, you know, in the pantry. You can get it, Jesus, if you want. I think there's some lemonade if you want. Just, just, just kick back here and, oh, this is my chair, but you can sit over here if you want. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd give Jesus the best place. You'd have things prepared for him. You'd make sure that things are thus and so. You'd vacuum, you'd sweep, you'd do everything possible because it's the Lord. She was wanting to do a good thing and she was doing a good thing. 
But the thing that's interesting about this text is she not only is upset with her sister, but she's so out of balance with her hard work and hard serving of the Lord. Lord, did you notice capital L? Lord, tell my sister to get her spiritual behind over here and help me. This is un- in fact, this, I love this New Living Translation. This is unfair. Ever felt that with God? I'm, I'm walking through a season right now where I'm having my own fits with God. God, this is unfair. When did Jesus ever say following him was fair? Of course, receiving Christ, anybody can receive Christ. We, 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 we know God loves us. We've repented of our sins. We ask for forgiveness. We receive Christ into our life. And life changes, and we have eternal life. It's a free gift of God. He sends his Holy Spirit into our life. But now following Jesus is not that easy because we still have the same temptation. In fact, now you are a marked man. You are a marked person. You are a marked woman for the enemy. You've got a target on your back. You know as well as I do, the devil hates God. There's not this war in heaven. Well, we hope God wins. He already won at the cross. He already won at the resurrection. But the devil's gonna do everything he can to pull every single person down with him to total destruction on the day of judgment and if he can get us to fall away from God so far that we lose our sense of who God is and lose our sense of who we are but even in the imbalance of all that that's where the enemy wants us as far away as we can be from God I just I just this scene here is not so much about Martha was doing the bad thing. She was distracted by some good things. In fact, that Greek word means to be pulled apart in so many different directions. We don't know which way is up. The Greek word karadotsamai is the one that Mary chose. Sitting at his feet, the Greek rendering there means as close as I possibly can be to him. I don't want to miss a word. So Luke 6.47 says this, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And John 5.24, Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and has crossed over from death to life. One more, Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed are those who hear my words and obey them. So why is all this important? Because we love a lost and dying world that may never step foot into a building, but they need you. They need to see Jesus in you. They need to see eternal life in your life. They need to see someone who's humble and kind and gentle and comforting and forgiving. They need to see the presence of God in their life. And that's what Mary desired the most. In that, rev- in that revelation that we read from God, that interpretation that we are looking at today, we are hearing so, so absolutely with, with, with clarity. There's just no question about it. Mary chose what was better. Better. Martha was doing good, but Mary chose what was better. Mary chose, here I am to worship. And Martha's choosing, here I am doing these dishes, slaving over this meal. But for a moment, for a moment, 
Mary seized the day. I think, I, I think what Jesus is saying to us is to Martha and Mary, I'm only going to be here for six more months. Because that's the timeline of Luke. He spent two and a half years with the disciples doing ministry out in the small villages. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't go so much to the religious places? I think Jesus made only three trips to Jerusalem. He went to the small towns and villages where people were hurting and hungry and, 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 and suffering and in pain and they were, they were destitute. It was the tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes that Jesus hung out with. I think last week we talked about Jesus goes into a bar and he hangs out with people who are there because they need the love of God. And he's saying to these women that are so valuable to him, that are in such a close friendship relationship with him, I'm only going to be here for a little while. Make the most of myself being here, my presence in your life. Just like David said, I'll do anything, God, to be where you are. Paul says, all I want to know is the power of the resurrection. All I want to know is Jesus. All I want to know is the presence of God. We have a generation that's coming up behind us that I think is standing with their spiritual arms crossed and waiting to see, well, you guys say you're all happy, but you don't seem very happy. Because you're chasing after the world and oh, you have a little bit of Jesus in your life. You have a little bit of church in your life. You have a little bit of kingdom thinking. It doesn't work like that. It's either 110% kingdom thinking and kingdom living or it's nothing at all. And it doesn't mean that we have to become these weird Jesus freak people that nobody can relate to. In fact, I found this, the more passionate I am about Jesus, about his passion for me, I get more passionate about the things of God that are on the lower shelf. It's not wrong to be passionate about your job. It's not wrong to be passionate and excited about the fact that you're going to get married. It's not, it's not wrong to be passionate, but we're going to have kids someday. Or I'm thinking about retirement. There's nothing wrong with thinking about being passionate about a hobby. But as long as Jesus Christ is number one, those other things will take their place. And I think what he's saying here is, I'm only here for a moment. I'm leaving. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. Here's the question. What am I the most passionate about and what am I willing to do? What am I willing to remove? What am I willing to step into to just be in his presence? Martha was in the presence of God. Agreed? She's in the house with God. Think about this. God is in the house. And Martha's there serving Mary's there also in the very same house in his presence and she didn't want any distraction. Now, this text is a long time ago. It's before the Holy Spirit was given to us in an indwelling way, right? We know from Acts chapter two, when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive God in, God in you, God in us. That's the most wonderful thing about life. That's the wonderful thing about living. God is now in you. He takes residence in your soul. So the same writer, the same book, Dr. Luke, who's so detailed in his writing. I love the way he writes, the way the Holy Spirit uses him. Over in chapter two, there's a guy named Simeon. Do you remember this? We studied this, you know, months ago when we started the gospel of Luke. He's a priest in Israel. He's a very, very important person because he has very specific duties for God to go into the temple and perform the duties that the Jewish people were so dependent upon so that they could worship God and be in his presence, even to be in the outer court. 
and to be even in the inner court, but never be able to go into the Holy of Holies. Only the priest could do that. The high priest could. And as we learned last year, there are thousands of priests, but only 10 of them would be chosen to go into the Holy of Holies. So Simeon's role is so prominent, is so important, it's, it's so anointed, it's so holy. And here, 10 times in the first and second chapters of Luke, the same frame phrase is used over and over and over again. And the Spirit of the Lord was upon Simeon. So we don't have Jesus physically with us. So this text, I'll be honest with you, is a little bit unrelatable to me. I can't relate to it because I've never seen Jesus. I've never heard him audibly speak. I've never touched him. Although I'm longing for the day to just be with him, to, to, to hug him, to see him, to listen, just to be where God is in heaven. We are going to be there 24-7. Nothing is ever going to change that. We are on a fast track there because of the grace and the mercy of God. But until that time... What are we supposed to be doing here? I understand, okay, I can walk away with this. I got to sit at the feet of Jesus. But how do I do that when he's not here? I hope you're asking that question because I was asking myself that question. I think sometimes we just pass over things in the Bible and think, oh, well, God will work it out. When Jesus comes back a second time, then I'll be able to sit at his feet. He's asking us and inviting us. He's wooing us to sit at his feet now. Now, I have two illustrations to give you that I hope will be windows to see how this works. When I was a youth pastor, which loved those days, loved junior high kids, absolutely loved hanging with those guys. There's so much hope for them. There's so much future for them. Although in a world that doesn't offer all that, they don't know that there's so much ahead of them with God if they just align themselves with God. And, and, and so I just loved being around that we decided we were going to not just have Bible studies, have youth nights and church services and all that, which are great. We need that. The scripture commands all that. But there's something more, especially students need in their life. So we're going to go down across the border. We're going to build a house for a, a needy family in Mexico. And so we got hooked up with an organization called Amor Ministries. And basically what they do is they supply everything. We give the $1,000 and we go down for three days and we get to build a house. We get to lay the foundation, build the structure, build the house. It's amazing how it's like this makeshift toolkit that you use and you build a house in three days. So for three days, we camped out, didn't have enough to eat, didn't have enough to drink, worked hard, sweat all day. I mean, 10 hour days, junior high and high school kids building a house. At the end of the three days, the house was built. And as it was built, I was standing there thinking, I need to get a picture of, of all of our students. So I went up just a little bit behind. There's a, there's a slope and a hill. I went up there with my camera. Well, back in the day when we had cameras. And I went up there, and as I was looking down, I saw all of our students held around this family, huddled there around this family that just received a roof over their head, no longer having to live with a blue tarp where the rain was pelting through. Nobody should have to live that way. And tears just started coming down my face. In that moment, there are not those moments every day, but it was a special, I believe, Holy Spirit moment where the Spirit of the Lord was upon us. The Spirit of, hear me in this, the Spirit of the Lord was upon us in the work. So when you say, okay, MVCC is my home, we want you to grow here. We want you to learn about Jesus. We want, we want you to grow in the word, the Bible, learn about him. We also want you to learn the joy of serving him. When you get on a ministry team here, 
That's, that's part of God's plan. He said, serve the Lord with gladness. He, he wants us to serve him because there's something when we give back. But, but what I don't want to minimize out of this text is while we're serving and working, and in those moments where the presence of God is real when we're working and serving, we can sometimes be so distracted with that that we fill up most of our time with work, 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 serve, serve, serve. Got to do more, got to get more, got to please God more. And we do it all with working. I think that's where, unfortunately, Martha crossed over is she valued the work more than the God that she served. Does that make sense? Now, scenario number two. I was in suffering for Jesus in Hawaii as a youth pastor for six years. My wife and I loved every minute of it. I walked into a meeting, prayer meeting with other youth pastors that were there, and we got invited to go over to the Big Island, to Hilo, for a pastor's conference put on by Wayne Cadero. He's still there in Hawaii. Big church, awesome church, great things happening. They're reaching thousands for Jesus there. He has a mission. He wants to reach the whole island. But while he was there on the big island, he had this three-day pastor's, two or three-day pastor conference. We walked in, and after the worship, the worship just went on and on and on. And then he had someone come up and give a testimony about how what God was doing in their life. I walked back to my hotel by myself, by myself, which is hard to do by myself because I like being with people. I'm extrovert. I like meeting new people. I like to hang out with people. Being alone is hard for me. Anybody identify with that? Some of you introverts, you're like, God, all I want to do is be alone. (laughs) Why, Why I'm sharing this is I think this is what the text is talking about is while I was going back to the hotel by myself, same situation, the presence of God. And it's hard for me to put into words. You know of what I speak in those holy God moments, those Holy Spirit moments, when God has just enveloped the entire space that you're in and there's nothing you want to do to disrupt that. I think that's where Mary was. Mary was so at the feet of Jesus, she didn't want anything. She didn't care about what to eat, what to drink. All she wanted to do was be with Jesus. In that moment in that hotel room, the presence of God was so thick I didn't want to do anything to disrupt it. I didn't want anything to, to leave it. Which one is more valuable? They're both the same. But if I miss the one that's by myself, I may miss God speaking in a holy moment that could redirect my entire life. So it's good to work and serve God. Now we live with the Holy Spirit in us. Back in the day, Mary and Martha did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit. So I get if you're asking, well, this doesn't really mean anything to me because Jesus isn't physically here. But you have the Holy Spirit in you. God is with you. He's there and he calls you to be with Jesus. The, 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 the role that the Holy Spirit has in our life is once we've received him, he's the third person of the Trinity. He's our senior partner in life. He leads us. He comforts us. He guides us. He influences us. He's in you. He will never leave you. He will never turn his back on you ever. Even when you get squirrely, even when you lose your way, which we do that, he never turns his back on us ever. And what he does now is he leads us. Where does he lead us? I believe the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us to Jesus. He leads us to him. And whether that's serving him or whether that's in a quiet moment sitting at his feet, God wants a person. He's looking for a person, regardless of denomination, regardless of spiritual history, regardless of lack of sin or too much sin. Or every, he's looking for one thing. He's looking for a person that attracts my presence in their life. 
And the only two things I can come up with when I read this text out of Mary and Martha is humility and holiness. Holiness is what we don't talk much about in the church anymore because I think it's so intimidating because none of us are holy. None of us are perfect. None of us are living the way we ought to live. But it should be the passion of our life to strive to be like Jesus, to be holy, to be perfect. As the Bible says, be perfect as I am perfect. Now, I know you're never gonna measure up, but this is the driving passion of your life. Let me tell you why I think we are not experiencing God's presence like he really wants us to experience because we are holding on to the world, man. We are holding on, some of us here today are so holding on to our attitude, our pride, our arrogance. I want it my way, I'm the director, this is my scene, this is my movie, or we're dabbling into sin. Some of us I know today might be going to somebody that we have no business going to in a hotel room. (gasps) He didn't just say that, did he? Come on, let's be real. It's not too late to stop. Seize the day, carpe diem. DM, some of us need to stop some behaviors right now. And he will fill it with something so much better. Jesus will fill it with so, something so much better. We won't even want to go back to the old life. But we never give him a chance because we're not willing to be humble. Jesus is looking for humility. He's looking for holiness. When the church gets right, society gets right. Pastor Mike, stop blaming society. Stop blaming all the transgender people, all of the homosexual people, all the bisexual people, all the people that are for abortion right now. And we know this is going on. He shouldn't be talking about this in church. Yes, we should. Stop blaming the culture. Stop blaming people. Look at your own life. They're looking at us. They are looking at us waiting to see someone who looks like Jesus. And if we just play the game of going to church, slapping a few bucks in there, serving a little bit, dabbling with Jesus, but we are so tidal waved into the world, the world goes, well, why should I go to your church? Why should I follow your God? So here's some, help, hopefully some helpful help and we wind this down. Scott, we gotta stop this sermon now. Otherwise, we're not gonna be able to have a second service. But I feel like I could just go on and on with this because I feel so passionate about, we should be passionate about God. And our life should reflect that. And sitting at his feet, I don't want to miss that. So number one in your notes, if you're taking some of us, I hope there's just one thing for you here. Number one is this. Know there is hard work. There is hard, a hard work in all of us. Keep working, kingdom work. It's okay. I think sometimes we walk away from the study going, oh, well, I, can't, I shouldn't serve the God anymore. All I should do is just be in Bible study by myself and never see anybody. Wouldn't that be great? There's a balance. Keep working for Jesus. Keep striving for him. Keep serving him. It's good. I I, I think it would be helpful maybe if we made a list of everything we have to do this week. Maybe you've already done that, listening to the message thing in your phone. I got all these things I got to do. And what happens is if you're like me, I get imbalanced. I I get in a place where I'm teetering because I'm thinking so much about what I got to get done. Which leads to number two, knowing that there are moments to just sit at the feet of Jesus. And what does that mean? Well, for me, as I mentioned, I'm a little ADD. So I got to have something to tether me to the quiet time, no distractions with Jesus. So for me, I have a prayer journal that I have. I have 
a Bible. Of course, we all got one on our phone, but for me, I just, sometimes I just gotta turn the pages. I just, I need to I highlight that one. I need to underline that verse that's speaking to me. And whether it's 10 minutes or it's 10 hours, don't, don't think you gotta walk into this quiet time sitting at his feet like, oh my God, gosh, I gotta spend two hours with Jesus. I just don't have the time to do that. And then we stop. If we just carve out time every day, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be awesome when our kids, they get older, they just wanna talk to us all the time. But even if it's just a few minutes after they have their own life, we want that relationship. God wants that with us. So that quiet time is so important. And here's, I think, the crux of this, and we'll finish with this. Learning to discern the moments. Learning to discern the moment. There might be moments that we don't want to miss. That the Holy Spirit is wooing us to be with Jesus, to be with him. And there are those moments he's calling us to serve. To love others. To work. The sweat of our spiritual brow knowing that God is in all of it. In that movie, Dead Poets, it finishes with, the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will be your verse? God, I thank you for reminding us of your perfect love. Thank you for this scene that maybe some of us, God, you know that we've seen this many times. God, we want to climb into it. God, my prayer is help us to discern. Help us to discern, God, when there are those moments of digging in and serving you and the joy of that and those moments of just being in quiet at your feet. God, if there's anyone here today that just feels far away from you, help them to know, God, they're just like every single person in this room. Jesus, we know you're just one prayer away. So if there's anyone here today that just, today's your day. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Why wait? You just pray along with me. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I surrender my life. God, I'm sorry for my sins, my failures. Will you forgive me? I believe in the cross. I believe that you've risen from the dead. And I surrender my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to invite you at the end of service. You can. Some folks in the back at the connection point would love to help you in your first steps. There'll also be our pastors over here at the um, front of the stage area. If you'd like to just take that moment. We can walk through with you about following Jesus together. So this last few moments is just communion time with us. We just invite you in the seat back in front of you. There's, there's some juice and there's some, some bread. And as Jesus said to us, take this bread, take this wine. I, I want you to drink this, this juice. It just represents my sacrifice, my love for you. And it's just a time to sit at his feet. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.